This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. So the thing I want to talk about today is the idea of grace and mercy and what they mean exactly. Uh, Scripture says that we are saved by grace. In Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And then not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are also told that we are saved through His mercy. In Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which, have, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Based on the context and the knowledge that we are saved by Christ, and washed clean to walk anew in Him, it can be very easy for us to assume that grace and mercy are the same thing. But there are some subtle differences here. You see, grace is a gift, as we just read in Ephesians 2. Whereas mercy is forgiveness where we deserve none. In order to understand these better, I want to first talk about the reason it is that we need grace and mercy in the first place. And that is sin. We all have sin. 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sin is like a disease. It spreads and takes hold of everyone and everything that it touches. Galatians 5.19-21 kind of gives us a, a list of sins in a way. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery and fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, which is lust, idolatry, that would be anything that you worship that you allow to take the place of God in your life, anything that you would devote yourself to or put before God at any point in time is worship. Witchcraft, hatred, variance which would be diverging or being inconsistent in your walk. Emulations, which would be trying to match other people, trying to surpass others. Wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, which are beliefs contrary to what is scriptural. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then what it kind of comes down to is that sin is anything that is going against God's intentions for us. You can take apart any of these sins and you can find that in them. Uh, if you looked at adultery and fornication, that's anything outside of what God declared to be marriage between a husband and a wife, what God set aside for that and taking it outside of that marriage. The world we live in makes it so easy to sin. It makes it so easy to catch this disease. I mean, we even have easy access to it in our pockets with our phones, or just going out into the world, going into grocery stores, going into wherever. I mean, it's, it's all around us, and it's so easy to catch. And left untreated, Sin 
equals death. The mortality rate of this disease is 100% left untreated. Something recent is COVID. We, we treated, and it's, I'm not trying to make light of it, I'm not trying to say anything, but it's got a mortality rate of 0.003%. And people ran away, people hid in their homes. Sin has a mortality rate of 100%, yet people waller in it. People live in it. To kind of give you an idea, 0.003% is three people out of 100,000. Sin is 100,000 out of 100,000. James 1, 14 to 15 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Not only that, sin creates a separation between us and God. It separates us away from Him. Isaiah 59.2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. Some may even think it feels good to live in sin for a while, and sometimes it can, for a time. Uh, one example of this is the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, starting in verse 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them unto his life, unto his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered, Altogether, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. A lot of the time we would kind of compare this to going on a trip to Las Vegas and, and living a riotous life there. We compare it to that, but in reality, you don't even have to leave your home. You don't have to travel some far away to live that life. You can stay right where you're at. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Once he had spent what he had, or once he had spent what he had, he was left alone and he was left empty. He had nothing. He, he felt nothing. And when he and went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He was so desperate that he was willing to eat slops that was given to the pigs. Just for something. And no man gave unto him. That's how alone he was. It might feel good for a time, but in the end, sin leaves you empty. It leaves you alone. It leaves you without God, and it eventually will leave you dead. And here comes the fun part. One of the best phrases in all of Scripture, but God. He gives us a way out through grace and mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, starting in verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In order for our sins to be forgiven, in order to receive this mercy in the first place, it had to be cleansed from us by Jesus, who had to be sacrificed, His blood had to be shed for us, so that we might receive this mercy in the first place. Forgiveness where we deserve none. 1 Peter 2, 22-24, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. It's Christ who heals us. It's Christ who came in and tore this disease from us so that we could walk anew. And we receive this mercy by crying out to God. We need to cry out to Him. If we want to be cleansed of this, if we want this away from us, if we want treatment for this disease, we need to cry out to Him. In Psalms 86, starting in verse 3, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto Thee daily. Rejoice the soul of Thy servant, for unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul for Thou. Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. God loves us, and He wants to forgive us, and He wants to give us that mercy. If you look at, back at the example of the prodigal son, picking back up uh, Luke 15, picking back up in verse 17, and when he, came to him, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. We'll come back to this. But what I want you to understand is that even though his son betrayed him, even though his son ran away, even though his son took everything that his father was willing to give him, and just spent it on sin. The father was still there waiting for him, wanting for his son to come back home to him, offering him mercy. And God is merciful to us like that. If we were to leave or if we were ever living a life of sin, God wants us. He wants us to come home to him. He's willing to forgive us if we are willing to come to him, if we're willing to ask for that forgiveness. Something interesting that I found when I was studying the word mercy is something that we don't have necessarily in the English language. Translators have a very hard job when it comes to translating scripture. They, they translate things based on what fits the language that they're translating it into in a way. And the word for mercy, the most common word is eleos or eleo. 
And the interesting thing about this, that they struggle to translate into English. In English, we have tenses for words. We have past tense, present tense, future tense. This morning, we would have said, I will be at church. That's future tense. Now we are at church. That's present tense. Later, we'll be able to say that we went to church. In Greek, they have something called an eternal tense. Mercy is eternal, like God is eternal. When you see somebody asking for mercy in Scripture, they're asking for mercy on their past. They're asking God for mercy on their present. They're asking God for mercy on their future, because His mercy is eternal. We are also saved by grace. Grace in the Strong's is uh, G, the, the version I'm going to be looking at is G5485, if anybody ever wants to look that up. But it's cheris, of a gracious manner or act, giving literally like an actual gift, a figuratively or spiritual. This even includes God's divine influence on our lives and in our heart. It is God's favor on us, giving freely and happily. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, rather quickened us together with Christ. Be grace By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Grace is a gift that is constantly poured out on us in our lives, and it will continue to be poured out on us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It even goes on to everlasting life, so that we can live with Him, we can walk with Him forever. And the thing about grace is, there is nothing we did to deserve it. There's nothing we could have done to deserve it. Romans 11.6 actually says that if we could work for it, it's not grace. Romans 11.6, and if by grace, then is it no more of works? Meaning, if we are saved by grace, then we're not saved by works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? If we could work for it, if we could do something for grace, then it's no longer grace. And otherwise, work is no more works if we have grace. Now, this does not mean that grace makes it to where you don't have to do things like go to church. It doesn't mean that you don't have to get baptized. That's not what that's saying. Those are still things that we need to do. We need to have a relationship with God. We need to have a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are things in Scripture that we are still called to do. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that there's nothing that we could do to earn grace. It's something that He gave to us. 
In Ephesians 2, 9, it is not of works, lest any man should boast. To go back to the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, picking back up at 21 through 24. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Not only did the father forgive him and show him mercy, he was gracious to bring him back into his home. He blessed him with new clothes, with a feast. He loved him so much and loves him so much, like God loves us and is compassionate toward us. And God not only loves us, He gave us the gift of everlasting life with, spent with Him. He loves us and He wants to be a part of our lives. We have, as Christians, even have some graces now. We have the, the gift of His Son, who died for us so that we may obtain that grace and mercy. We are blessed with grace now. If we are part of the church and gracious ourselves within the church, if we are giving within the church and loving within the church, God's grace can be seen as a blessing through the church. 2 Corinthians 9, 8-12, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings, unto God. He's loving, He's gracious towards us, and He's willing to give us so much. He has blessed us with our, our congregation, with our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Everything that we have that is good is from God. And James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We have so much to be thankful to God for, for His graciousness, for His love, and for His compassion on us. By God's grace, we are granted everlasting life. Romans 5.21 That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. God is gracious to forgive us, to give us a new life in Him, to bless us in our walk with Him and unto everlasting life, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we could do, but by what He was willing to do for us. He forgave us when we deserved none, 
And he didn't stop there. He has been gracious to us in giving. And in order to accept this grace, in order to accept this mercy in our lives, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are called to come boldly to God in order to receive His mercy, in order to receive that grace. Because God loves us and wants to be part of our lives. If there are any who wish to have that grace and have that mercy in their life who haven't accepted Christ through baptism yet, or who have stayed away or have strayed away back into a life of sin, you can come boldly now to the front as we stand and sing the song that has been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.